many were with us here last week? Okay, well, I'll do a quick, I'm just going to do a, just a short little recap. Go with me to your uh, Bibles in Acts chapter 1. And um, we spent a little time last week, you know, comparing the use of, we're in the Bible where we see the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And we discussed there's a distinct difference between the two. Only Matthew's gospel actually uses the term kingdom of heaven. Because as we saw last week, the kingdom of heaven is a political, physical kingdom of God's kingdom here on earth. Amen. So to use, I mean, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God encompasses the kingdom of heaven. But the kingdom of heaven is not interchangeable with the kingdom of God because the kingdom of God is spiritual, isn't it? The kingdom of God, what does it say? Uh, the kingdom of God is not what? Meat and drink, but it is peace and joy in the what? In the Holy Ghost, amen? Praise God. How many enjoyed Patricia's good cheeseburgers back there, amen? That was good. That was real good. But the kingdom of God is spiritual amen one day jesus will physically reign here on earth and he will come down from heaven with his saints with us and he will actually have a political kingdom here on planet earth and in the meantime though we are dwelling on the earth in a king in a mystery we are like the kingdom of heaven undercover, and that is the age of the church that we're in now, amen? Because how many know, just like Jesus will have authority on the earth when he actually physically comes and reigns and sits on David's throne, the church has that same authority while on the earth now, amen? We have that authority, and we go through, like we talked about last week, Holy Ghost commandos behind enemy lines taking captivity captive for jesus amen praise god remember that song we used to sing in sunday school when we were kids um how's that go uh i may not i'm in the lord's army i'm in the lord's army i'm in the lord's army yeah that song that song i can't remember you get you, you yeah that one i used to sing it and then, it, and then right after that always came father abraham had many sons and many sons had father abraham i am one of them and so are you so let's just praise the lord ha-na, ha-na, da-na-na. <laughs> and i bet you guys all used flannel boards too remember jesus on the flannel board yeah praise god all right, here I go. First rabbit trail for the night. All right, here we go. Chapter one. So, and then we talked about um, the kingdom, and then we, we spoke a little bit about um, where the book comes from. So, let's just get right into chapter one, verse one. And it says, the former treaties have I made, O Theophilus. And we learned last week, Theophilus is a compound, Theo meaning God, Phyllis means lover. So we got lover of God, all right? What a great name, amen? And uh, Theophilus and Luke, who wrote this book, are from Antioch, where they were first called Christians, okay? And you can do a Wikipedia or Google um, Theophilus, and he actually became a great uh, Christian leader in Antioch. And a lot of, a lot of Bible teachers believe that Luke was preparing the gospel of Luke in the book of Acts to present at Paul's trial when he was to go to Rome and appear before Caesar. Because a lot of our law systems, as we talked about last week, we, we get a lot of the things that we use in civil society from the Greek and Roman empires. And the execution of law and order and having an affidavit and a sworn statement and a written testimony and all that stuff comes all the way down from these empires. And so 
So it is very possible that Acts and Luke were written to Theophilus, right, who was a magistrate at the time there, so that they could present it as evidence for Paul's trial. And as we go through the book of Acts, you're going to see that Luke, who was a physician, he was a doctor. Now, however many ever had a conversation with Dr. John for more than five minutes? Dr. John here in the front row. How many have ever been corrected for your grammar by Dr. John? I have because he is specific. He's educated. And the way he was trained up to write and, and communicate, is, is he's got that physician's uh, touch to it. And you'll see that Luke was the same way. He, he actually, uh, he was so detailed and had everything precisely in order. And, um, and so another thing that I want, that I want to highlight to the, to the new um, people here tonight is we took a look over at the Gospel of Luke real fast in its first chapter. And remember, I like to call the Acts of the Apostles the, the fifth gospel, really. Um, because really, it is a part two of Luke's gospel, all right? And um, so we saw in Luke here, and I love this verse here, because um, it says this. Say amen if you're there. Luke 1, chapter 1. And it says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth an order, in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. How many here most surely believe in Jesus and the scriptures? Amen? You betcha. So Luke says, um, we set forth to put in order this declaration. Verse 2, even as they delivered them unto us, them mean the apostles and those that walked with Jesus on the earth in his ministry, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Praise God, eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. Amen. Now look at verse three. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first. All right. Now underline that section in your Bible from the very first. Some of you might be working with a different translation there, um, but... Um, is anybody bringing anything else to the Bible study besides the King James? We got any NIVs or NLTs? What does yours say there instead of from the very first, Rose? Amen. So you can be certain of everything that you were taught. And now take, pay, take note there where it says from the very first there, all right? Now that word there is the Greek word anathen, which means from above, okay? And many, many commentaries um, mention that Luke's gospel and, and is inspired by the Holy Ghost, amen? Because many people out there in the secular realm will try to uh, convince us that the Bible is not accurate or it's not supernatural. But how many know this Bible that we hold in our hands, it is a supernatural book, amen? This Bible's supernatural. And Luke is saying here that not only did he have a, 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 a clear account of everything that has been said, passed down to him from the eyewitnesses that were with Jesus, that saw Jesus, that handled Jesus, as John said, we've handled the word of life, all right? He's also saying that I had it from above. So the Holy Spirit speaking to Luke and confirming these things, he was set to write in order, most excellent Theophilus, or most honorable. Um, and notice the title there, most honorable Theophilus. Why? That we might know for certain of the things wherein we were instructed, okay? And then that is the whole purpose. 
And, John, and you know, there was many, and I love what John's gospel says. There are many things. They, could have, they couldn't fill the libraries full of the volumes of testimonies of everything that Jesus did. I mean, think about it. And we'll, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. You couldn't, you couldn't fill the libraries. You couldn't fill them. It says, Jesus went about doing good, teaching and preaching and healing what? All that were sick among them. Well, there was throngs of people that were sick among them. Can you imagine one of the, you know, Matthew sitting there trying to, what's your name? John Doe, okay, you got healed. Every single person that was healed in Jesus' ministry, they couldn't fill up those volumes, all right? And that's what I love about the Holy Ghost in the scripture. He has given us enough here to know for a certain of the things that we believe. He doesn't need to list every single miracle that Jesus did, but John said, these things were compiled together so that you might believe on him whom God has sent. Amen? It's enough. It's enough. Now, going back to chapter one, then you see, he doesn't call him honorable Theophilus or most excellent Theophilus. He simply just calls him O Theophilus, which could mean that, you know, there was more of an intimate relationship there now. You know, when he was presenting Luke's, his gospel, the first part, you know, he was, you know, in treating him as a magistrate. And now this could be more of, as things have moved on, this could be more of a, a brotherly friendship here that he has with him. All right. Now he says, all these things that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Take with me and turn to your Bibles in Matthew 4, verse 23. Look at this. The focus of Jesus began to do and teach, which I already kind of... Matthew four twenty-three. All right, say amen when you're there. Now put your finger in there and then find 9.35 as well. Matthew 9.35. All right. Few, few, few pages to the right there. All right, so look at what Jesus began both to do and to teach. Now Matthew's gospel in 4.23, it says this. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogue preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. All right? Now look at chapter 9, what it says. 9.35 says, Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And so Jesus has established a pattern for the disciples, and the disciples have established a pattern for us as the church, all right? Our ministry, your ministry, my ministry, is to teach and to preach and to do signs and wonders, okay? That's what you do. You teach, you preach, and you do. That's what he said. Jesus came to do and teach, all right? And we, you can't have just one. If you have one or the other, it's not whole, amen? It's a half of what Jesus' ministry was. If you have both, you have a whole ministry, amen? And so, and there is a difference between preaching and teaching. Sometimes up here, I get a little carried away and I'll kick into preach mode, okay? It's kind of a, a, a teach-preach session, all right? But, you know, you can feel the difference when you teach and preach. Um, there is. And you can feel the, the anointing is different. When the anointing comes on you, there's a different anointing for teaching and a different anointing for preaching. And when you, when you have the pulpit... One of the hardest things to do is to discern which way to go and not get ahead of the Holy Ghost here. So, you know, God has called you to teach and preach. And that's just not me and pastor, all right? Every one of you are called to be witnesses, are called to preach and teach and do signs and wonders. 
because we'll, we'll see that when we study the Great Commission in this book, okay? So, so teach, preach, and heal, amen? You say, does it have to be in that order? I don't think it actually has to be in that order, but I'll tell you what, if you do it in that order, it really helps, all right? It really helps to teach and to preach because then it brings faith into the room because you have to, you have to drive out the unbelief for the miracles by the teaching and the preaching of God's word. It, it drives out the unbelief and there's faith in the room that comes and then the signs and wonders confirm the word that was preached, amen? Praise God. Now, wow, that was a long introduction for verse one. Verse two, back to our text, Acts chapter one, verse two. Now, until the day in which he was taken up, after that, he, through the Holy Ghost, had, command, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen. Isn't it lovely to be chosen of God? Amen. We're chosen and we're chosen by name. We're not just a number. We saw in our revelation study, didn't we, that God is, gives each and every one of us a white stone with a new name. Amen. The Lord loved to change people's names that symbolize a new start. Amen. That the old man has passed away and behold, all things have become new. And so... I love that about our Lord. We're chosen. And so in verse 3, it says, he also showed himself alive. Amen. After his passion or suffering. All right. And speaking of that word passion, has anybody ever seen the movie Passion? Man. If you haven't seen it, you need to watch that movie. It's not just an Easter film. It's a film. It'll rock your world. He made himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Over 10 times in Scripture is it recorded of Jesus meeting with people and just showing himself alive. Amen? Now, being seen of them for 40 days. Everybody say 40 days. 40 days he walked the earth after he was raised out of the tomb. And Paul tells us in his gospel, seen by over 500 witnesses, is what 1 Corinthians chapter 15 tells us. Over 500 witnesses. How many witnesses do we need in the court to make a thing true? Two. All right? Over 500 people saw Jesus alive. And they wrote about it. And Luke recorded it for us. He was seen 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And that's where we have that word kingdom of God. But not the kingdom of heaven. He was speaking to them about the spiritual things of the kingdom of God. Now look at verse 4. It says, now being assembled together with them, he commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem but wait for the promise of the Father, which said he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. All right? And you put a little note there in your Bible, not many days from now is 10 days. Because it says in, when the day of Pentecost had what? Fully come. What does Pentecost mean? Penta means what? 50 days. All right? 50 days from the atonement. Or not, I get that. I always get those two confused. What's the, some Jewish, you know, what is it, Pastor Darlene? Pastor Lonnie? Passover. Passover. 50 days from Passover. Thank you. 50 days from Passover, count it out, 50 days, and then the day of Pentecost comes, right? 
He walked on the earth for 40 days already, so there's only 10 more days to come. So they were in the upper room waiting for Jesus for 10 days. Now, I always used to think until I saw, started really meditating on the word here, that I always thought they were up in the room for 50 days waiting on the Holy Ghost. And I was like, man, that's a long time to be in a room with somebody without the Holy Ghost. That's a long time to be in a room without the Holy Ghost, man. 50 days. Boy, alive. No, but it was only 10 days. Now, he says in verse 6, Now, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Will you at this time? Now, this kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. Like As we compare the kingdom to Israel, will Israel now become the ruling nation over the earth? And Jesus replied to me, he said, it is not for you to know the times, plural, or the seasons which the Father hath put in his power. And like we talked about last week, the word there, times, is plural, and the word that they use, time, is singular. And the Bible uses two types of words for time, the Greek word chronos, where we get our word for clock, chronology, chronos, all right? There's also another word called kairos, and kairos is the in-season moment of time, all right? It's the, it's the moment, the in-season. You know, there's a, there's, a, there's a right time to do it. There's a right time for harvest, right? There's a right time to go. When Jesus says go, go. It's the Kairos moment to go. If you wait till, you know, the Kronos, well, I will go, Jesus, but it's 3 a.m. in the morning right now. I'll have to wait till 9 a.m. and get my sleep. Well, you've missed it. You've missed the opportune moment, the Kairos moment, where the anointing of the Holy Spirit is present to do his work, all right? And so, these guys, they were on about the kingdom of heaven, and Jesus said, these times are for my Father. These seasons are for my Father. And we saw in the book of Revelation, there's times, the dividing of times and a half of times. The, you know, we saw how we broke Revelation down. There are different seasons and times even in the last days, all right? That's why Jesus used that plural word there. Now... It's for my father to put in his power. So 40 days, the risen Lord had been instructing the apostle of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And this was his custom. Now, if we go to Luke's gospel, chapter 24, real quick, take a a left turn. I want to show you. Remember when we said teaching and preaching, right? You remember that? Get that in in your spirit. Teaching and preaching and healing or doing signs and wonders. Look at Jesus's method here now. All right. Luke 24, 27. Remember it said he had been instructing his, his apostles, teaching them the kingdom of God. And we've got an example of it here in Luke chapter 24 in the 27th verse. Luke 24, 27, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto him, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures. Everybody say all the scriptures. All all scripture is inspired by God, amen? All the scriptures, the things concerning what? Himself. Underline himself in your Bible. Jesus, when he taught, he taught using the scriptures, okay? He taught using the inspired word of God. He didn't go buy a book. He didn't put, pull up a TV set and stick a DVD in there, okay? He taught using the scriptures. Now, all those things are okay, but personally, I feel that those things are there when there's not gifts present or adequate to teach and preach through the scriptures. So they get a DVD of somebody who is, all right? 
Now, that's okay, but I want to raise up men and women who are thorough in the scriptures and who can preach and teach the word of God in a, in a setting amongst men and women because that's, that's really how Jesus did it. Now, not only that, he expounded unto them the scriptures. Amen. He just didn't say, Moses says this. He expounded. And that's where we get the word expository teaching. Line upon line, verse upon verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, testament by testament. Expounding means to unfold. It means to unfold, dig deep. I'm a reference guy. I like to get a reference. That's why we're turned to all kinds of different places into our Bible. We're unfolding the scripture, literally. We're unfolding the pages, unfolding and going down to another place. We're expounding on the word of God, amen? And so he expounded unto them all the scriptures concerning five ways to a better life, concerning... Uh, how to be successful? No. The subject matter of the scriptures is not us. It's him. He expounded on the scriptures concerning himself. You see, to preach and teach the word of God with the scriptures that bring signs and wonders following must be a message that is Christ-centered. It must not be a me gospel. It must be a he gospel. Amen. Because the more Christ is preached, the more Christ is revealed in us. Amen. And the more Christ is revealed in us, man, all those things of, of, of success and the things, to be honest with you, I don't know about you, but for my sake, a lot of times those are my own wishes. Or maybe how I've been looking at somebody else living. Boy, I wish I had that. Oh, I wish I had that. Amen. <laughs> but when Christ is revealed in you, the more Christ is taught and the more he's preached, the more I get out of the way. And then the more I realize, what do you want, Christ? What do you want me to have? Where do you want me to go? Who do you want me to see? And in Christ, his ministry comes through, amen? And that's what he told these guys. You know, these guys in Luke here, they were really upset. They thought the Messiah was dead. They hadn't even recognized Jesus at this moment. And he didn't start, you know, taking them through counseling and saying, hey, son, I know you're feeling bad. Let's pull up a rock here and talk about it. How do you, how'd you feel when they, when they killed Having like some long council session. Uh, what about you? Let's, uh, let's go deep a little bit here. What was it like when you were a child? Do you think, you think maybe you could have been treated better when you were a kid? You know, he didn't do all that stuff to try to make these guys feel better. He preached Christ. And we all come from different backgrounds. My family, I come from a split home. I was raised with a single parent, latchkey child, you know, multiple men in my life. But it don't mean a hill of beans when the old man is crucified and the new man's alive. Amen. The Bible says, behold, all old things are passed away. All things are new. You know, like you've heard me preach many times, I'm not in Ronnie Moore. I'm in Christ Jesus. Amen. Praise God. My dad is saved. He loves God. But my, 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 my tree or my, the connection there through the Adamic race is broken. The earthly race is broken and now we're in the heavenly race. Amen. The heavenly man is uh, that one brother wrote. What was that author's name that wrote? Heavenly Man. Thanks, Bear. Man, Bear, you're like a walking reference library back there. 
I tell you, I just, if I ever go traveling, man, I need to take you with me, man, and just strap you to my back. You're like a reference, man. What was his name again, Barry? Brother you, the heavenly man. So we see here, he expounded on the scriptures and he preached the things concerning himself. Now, how much time do we have? What time are we on? We've got a little bit of time now to study the Great Commission. And I'm laying these foundations here because this is the motive for the boldness and the courage and through the Holy Ghost, how the apostles um, moved. Now, I don't really know why the publishers decided to call it the Acts of the Apostles. I like to just call it the Book of Acts. Number one, because it's still going, amen? The Book of Acts did not finish in chapter 29, as some denominations teach. There are some religious groups that teach that the miracles and the signs and wonders that the apostles had passed away in that generation. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Because if we, when we study the Great Commission here, you're going to see that there's no way that can be true. So the cool thing about the commission, the Great Commission as we like to call it, it's found in all four Gospels. There's another story of the woman who broke her alabaster jar at the feet of Jesus. All right? She's mentioned. And Jesus testified that wherever this gospel's preached, she, her story will be told. And the gospels record that. But let's study for the last part of this um, chapter tonight, uh, this study. We're going to look at the commission in all four Gospels. And we're going to highlight, because each one of them are different. Each one of them have a different flavor to them and a different instruction there, okay? So the first one is Matthew 28. You can find that in Matthew 28, verse 18. Say amen when you're there. Man, I love to hear them pages are rustling. Praise God. Matthew 28, verse 18, but we'll start in verse 16. Everybody love Jesus? It says, now the 11 disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him. Praise God. I love to worship him. But look at this. They worshiped him, but some doubted. You ever seen somebody like that in a church meeting you're at? You're worshiping, and you look over, and they're like, they're doubting. Doubters. Worship God. He said here, some doubted. And Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Okay? So there's us right there. We're in verse 20. He commanded them to do these things. And he told them, teach these same things that I just commanded you. All right? So that's a a clue right there that those things haven't passed away. For lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. What a promise. He's with us, church. He's with you. He's with me. He's right here. He's right here with us. He never leaves us, never forsakes us. All right? Now go over to Mark. Now, the emphasis here in Matthew was what? Teaching. Did you notice that? Teaching. Teach all nations. Baptize them. Teach them to observe, all right? Matthew is teaching. Now, Mark is the power gospel. It's the gospel of action. 
And the commission in Mark is chapter 16. Now look at this here. In chapter 16, it, uh, picking it up at... Let's go to verse 12. Verse 12. Everybody there? After that, he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country. That's those two we just read about in Luke, all right? Verse 13 says, and they went and told it unto the residue or the rest of the people, and neither believed they them. So these two came back after Jesus expounded the scriptures to them. They had an encounter with Jesus at communion. They were like, oh, it's Jesus. We, most of you know that story, I'm sure. They come running back to the rest of the disciples. We just seen Jesus. He just gave us a Bible study. And we broke bread with him and he appeared unto us. And he's risen just as he said. And look at this. Neither believed they them. They did not believe what they were saying. And then comes this, 14. Afterward, he, Jesus, appeared unto the 11, unto the 11 as they sat at meat or eating food. Did he say, hey, it's good to see you guys. High five. You're doing great. High five. Uh-uh. He upbraided them. Upbraided them. That's a heavy word. A braid is a very strong rebuke. If you look at the way Jesus was with his disciples, the thing that really, I mean, he's, he's God, so, I mean, I don't know, what, you know, you could say, I mean, for me, if somebody really got on my nerves, like you'd say, oh, that got under my skin, you know. I think the thing that really got to Jesus was unbelief. God really hates unbelief because the un- unbelief is from the devil. Because he, was a, he doubted God's word from the beginning. And he tried to sow that unbelief into the first creation. Amen. And uh, so here, when they tried to tell him, they did not believe it. So Jesus comes on the scene and he upbraided them with their unbelief. And what is the root? The hardness of heart. Because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. Now, what is the root of this unbelief and hardness of heart? Because Jesus already told his disciples that he would be raised from the dead. Okay? So as disciples here now in in, in our generation, when we see God's word here, okay, we we can't uh, have a hard heart towards it, even if our circumstances don't line up with it. You can't harden your heart to it. And, man, I feel the anointing. And a lot of times what I do, and everybody's guilty of it, and I'm breaking this in Jesus' name, is I try to, I try to come up with some sort of stupid doctrine or teaching or a reason or a circumstance of why my particular scenario is different. No. You got hardness of heart and unbelief. This is what the Word says. Don't try to change it. Denominations. Down through the histories, because of their hardness of heart and unbelief, have changed the doctrines of the Bible to fit their current circumstance. Okay? And I tell you now, if we tarry here on this earth and Jesus does not come back within the next 20 to 40 years, you're going to see so-called full gospel, full gospel churches ordaining gay marriages. Okay? But not CLC, amen? No. Not this full, this, this is more than full gospel. Full gospel now is, this is full gospel 2.0. I mean, you, you used to describe full gospel. That's how you knew they believed in tongues, they taught healing, they were scriptures, Jesus was God. You could kind of like, you going to a full gospel church? Yeah, I'm going to a full gospel church. It kind of meant you were in a a, a church that was happening. But there's many so-called full gospel churches out there. They won't even let you speak in tongues publicly in a service. 
I talked to this one brother. He said, we are all about souls, so we don't let tongues happen in the beginning of the service. I said, well, brother, that's a service I won't be going to. I love to speak in tongues. You do too. You know why? Because sometimes I don't even know what to do. But I just want to tap in, amen? I want to tap into his glory. So, don't change the word of God to meet your circumstances. Many, many people have, have changed what they believe because their kids are going through stuff or their marriages have failed. And so they try to change what God's word says or they think he starts to mean something else to fit their circumstances. Just be real with God and say, Lord, this is what your word says. Okay? Now, I receive it. My life is, wasn't that way, but it's getting that way now, Lord. Amen? I'm not going to change your word. You change me. Amen. You change me, God. I'm not going to change your word. Amen. You change me, God. And so he upbraided them for their hardness of heart. In verse 15, and then he said unto them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. This is the preach here. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. All right, so that's right there. You know, our job is to go preach. If they believe, great. If they don't, move along. Shake the dust off your feet. Don't spend, you know, just preach it. If they believe, mm, nope, move on. And these signs shall follow them that believe. Now, this is the action. This is the sign. So in this commission, we have the signs and wonders. These signs shall follow them that believe. Are you a believer? I'm a believer. So this means these signs didn't stop after the apostles, the original 11 apostles. Paul, if you want to count him, is the 12th, although it was Matthias, we'll see. These signs shall follow all them that believe. In my name you shall cast out devils, shall speak with new tongues, shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. Now, this doesn't mean that we start joining, uh, you know, getting the, getting the crated boxes of snakes in here and start handling snakes to show. No, that's not what that means. Like those, you know, people down across the river over there. We got a few of them in here tonight, but I don't think they're snake handlers. They're, they're, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, I know some people from Kentucky, they're not snake handlers, they're snake crushers, amen? They put the snake under their feet, praise God. Now, he said, uh, this is talking about divine protection, is what, this, what, he's, what he's on about here, divine protection. And we'll see this happen in the, in the book of Acts. They shall drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them, and they shall lay hands on the sick, and they will what? They will recover. Amen. They shall recover. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth and preached everywhere the Lord, working with them and confirming the word. Everybody say confirming. confirming. With what? So there, what comes first? Signs and wonders? No. The preaching of the word confirmed with signs and wonders, praise God. And so that's the action gospel. That's, that's, his, that's the lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Matthew, teach all nations the things that I have commanded them, all right? Now look at John. John says this. John 20. John 20, and um, let's go down to, um, Verse 19, 
Now that same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled, assembled, amen, assembled. For fear of the Jews, then came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. They were afraid. They were huddled in because they maybe thought that they were going to come after them. Jesus shows up in the midst of verse 20, and when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. They saw him. They knew it. He's like, this is, this is Jesus. This is the Lord. And he said to them again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I send you. How did he send them? With peace. Sent them with peace. The, the root of peace is Jesus is with us always. And not just in head knowledge, but he is physically with us, amen? There is a physical Jesus at the right hand of God right now, right there. All the other so-called prophets of the world are all in their graves. But Jesus is alive. And he sends him forth with peace. And this is the commandment in this great commission is that as disciples, we're to go forth in peace. The great commission of John is to be led forth with peace, not striving. Our ministry should not be of anxiety or worry, okay? If it is, then it's your ministry, not his ministry. When it's his ministry, he does the work, amen? You guys can testify, can't you, Mike and Debbie? I mean, God just did it, didn't he? He just did it. There was no labor. He just moves on it, amen? Same with Pastor Lonnie and Darlene when they were in Mexico. It just happens. It's a natural byproduct of just doing what God wants you to do. And it's with peace, man. It just happens. And that's how you know you're really doing God's ministry. Peace I leave with you, all right? And then look at this, verse 22. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. And whoever sins you retain, they are retained. And he's talking about verse 23, speaking about preaching the repentance of sin, all right? And if you go in part of our ministry, when we go out, you need to preach repentance, okay? And it's not mistakes. We don't make mistakes. We sin, okay? Nowhere did Paul say, for those of you that have made mistakes, Christ has come. No, no, that's sin. And we got to be bold about sin and we got to preach the repentance of sin. And then there'll be some that try to justify their sin. Oh, don't judge me, brother. Don't judge me. Okay, keep your sin then. Move along. Amen? That's what he's talking about. So, and then the last one is Luke's commission, and we'll close with this. Luke's can be found in 24. That's a popular chapter tonight. So, so far we saw in the commission, Matthew commanded us to teach. Mark, he commanded us to go and preach and heal the sick, do signs and wonders. Mark's commission was a signs and wonders commission. Matthew's commission, a teaching commission, all right? John's commission was be led in peace. Go forth in peace, amen? Go in peace, whatever you do. And then Luke here in verse chapter 24, he says, um, let's start at, uh,
46. Everybody there, Luke 24, 46. Now he said unto them, this it is, thus it is written, and thus it behoved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance and remission of sins should, maybe be preached, should be preached. Amen? So there it is right there. There's the gospel in 46 and 47. He suffered and he rose from the dead on the third day. Repentance and the remission of sins. Now that's the thing, remission. Our sin isn't covered like it was in the Old Testament. Our sin is literally removed. It's removed. That's we sing that one song. I always try, and if I can remember while we're singing it, I actually like to change the word on the fly. You know, he's covered our sin. I think it's that rise song we sing. You know, he's covered our sin. I like to say, he's taken our sin. He's not just covered my sin. He's taken my sin. He's taken it away. And we need to preach that. A lot of times, you know, and we've been, to, I've been to Mardi Gras, and I used to be in Bradford doing street preaching and stuff, and it's a fine line you can get into getting too hardcore, or all you do is just preach sin. Thou shall not, thou shall not, thou shall not. And you forget, but the good news is that sin can be removed by faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? We got to preach repentance and the removal of sin, okay? I like to think of repentance like this. Agree with God that you have a problem and it's separating you from God. All right? And then when you, in that, you can receive him and then he can take that from you, praise God. And we should preach it in his name among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And he says, you are witnesses of these things. You're witnesses. 49. Now behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on what? on high okay so in luke's commission we see that we're to preach repentance and the remission of sin and we are also to be endued with power from on high we're not to go in our own strength and we'll see that in chapter two to be endued with power on high praise god so teach preach lay hands on the sick and go in peace. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Pastor.